Good morning, good morning, and welcome to The Driving Show, Saturday morning, and uh, gosh, it's already the end of the month, that is ridiculous. Uh, depending on where you live, you may or may not be in some ridiculous heat wave. Uh, I am, I'm from Detroit originally, that was 90 degrees earlier this week, that's insane. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, where our normal high is 78 degrees, it was 90 here uh, all week, it's finally starting to cool off. Uh, here on the weekend, but uh, holy cow, man, I hope you guys are finally getting some fall weather somewhere. I'm a convertible guy. I've been a sports car guy like my whole life, and and there's just nothing like having a good, perfect, beautiful Saturday afternoon with the top down, you know, maybe you got the college football game uh, on the radio, and I, you know, just everything is good. Maybe get the, you know, get the race on later this weekend, things like that. I mean, it's just, it's good, but man, when it's 90 degrees, just you can't do it. You can't do it. Hey, how's it going? My name is John Hammer, and uh, welcome to the show. We've got a lot coming up here uh, later in the show, later in the show, uh, Jim Gorzellini is going to be on with us. Now, Jim is a, is a writer who wrote an article <laughs> that talks about where we can find the worst drivers in America. Now, this is not an opinion piece. This is actually based in fact and actual honest-to-goodness science. Jim is going to be on the radio with us uh, coming up in just uh, about 10 minutes or so from right now. we got to talk about some changes going on at Phoenix International Raceway. They made uh, some big announcements uh, earlier this week. And, uh, oh, and this weekend, going on right now, the SCCA, Sports Car Club of America, they're having their national championship runoffs at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. This is... This is the biggest national championship of uh, amateur road racers uh, on the planet. I mean, they've got a thousand plus race car drivers that are there at Indy uh, running all this weekend. And we're going to check in with the driving show's buddy Tom O'Gorman from the Pirelli World Challenge series. And he is actually there at the runoffs, and we're going to get the whole lowdown from him. So there's a whole lot going on. We've got a, a driving show song of the week that's coming up that uh, actually. Actually, kind of a tongue-in-cheek song, which makes it kind of fun. So it's got something to do with automobiles uh, and uh, and sticking fun at the establishment as well. So we got all that stuff coming up. There's a whole bunch going on, but first we got to jump right on into it. So let's get into it with the news. Dyson has confirmed they're going to build an electric car. Now, we broke the story last week here on The Driving Show, and just this past Tuesday, Sir James Dyson confirmed that his company, famous for making expensive vacuum cleaners, has, <laughs> that's a true story, has committed more than $2.3 billion to develop the new car. Here's the kicker. He expects to have it on the road by 2020, which is just two model years from right now. Interestingly, Dyson began working on vehicles way back in 1990, but stopped back then because they didn't have uh, what they felt like was a good enough partner to work with. But boy, with uh, with all the changes in, uh, in in driving and automobiles, they figured they can do it, and apparently they're going to do it pretty quickly. One of the hottest trends in technology is wireless charging. I mean, heck, I've, I've got it on my phone right now. It's brilliant. I love it. It's great. By the way, I have no idea how it works. Do you know how it works? I, I honestly, I do not. All I know is that every time I don't have to plug in the the, the plugger into the the micro USB port, I feel like I'm not breaking my phone because my last phone I broke 
that charging port. Anyway, that's not the story. Uh, BMW, they're the story. They're the first automaker who has figured out how to wirelessly charge your electric vehicle. The system's going to debut with the 530e iPerformance sedan uh, before moving on to other electrics in their lineup. The system works great. It's almost as fast as plugging the car directly into the wall, but there's a drawback for us here in the United States. It's not going to be available in the United States, at least not yet. Eventually, they uh, they, they can figure out a way to do it. Uh, it's got to get approval to be in homes and things like that, uh, underwriter laboratories and all that stuff for electrical stuff. Uh, do you read? Do you read Jalopnik? If you don't, you should. Uh, if you listen to this radio show, you should definitely read Jalopnik. Those guys are fantastic and very funny. Uh, in fact, one of the highlights of being a car guy was that back in 2012, I was actually talked about on Jalopnik because I was racing a Jeep Grand Cherokee SRT in the one lap of America and won the freaking thing, which was pretty awesome. Well, my class, but that was pretty awesome. Uh, But now the guys at Jalopnik have made the announcement that they are getting a TV show. No kidding. Starting next month, we're going to get to watch what they think is a great vision of the uh, great American road trip. The show is called Car vs. America. It debuts October 18th on the Fusion Network. I have already looked, and here at my home, I do not have that network. So we might have to look at that and see what we can come up with and, and learn a little more. I am from Detroit, so I've never seen professional football. I've only seen the Detroit Lions. Ha! Come on, that's a joke. Seriously, folks. <laughs> so the Lions have been the butt of countless jokes over the years. And this past weekend did not help any. Did you see the game? With seconds to go, the Detroit Lions scored what appeared to be a touchdown, a game-winning touchdown with eight seconds left. After a review, it was re- it was ruled that uh, that the player was down before the line, and with no timeouts left, a 10-second run of the clock was assessed, which gave the Atlanta Falcons a wild victory. Now, why am I telling you this on the driving show? Because Lions fans are upset. In fact, they're so upset that one one Lions fan has blamed that loss for crashing and rolling his car. Police responded to the wreck in Michigan just minutes after the end of the game, finding a 23-year-old man with minor injuries. He said he was so frustrated with the game that he went for a drive to blow off some steam. Then he hit a corner too fast and he flipped the car. Not surprisingly, the young man blew a 0.18, more than twice the legal limit. I have a feeling you can't just blame the Lions for the driving incident on that one. All right, it's time for us to take a break. Stand by, all right, because coming up in a couple of minutes, we are going to talk with uh, Jim Corzellani. Jim's from, uh, he's a writer from Forbes magazine, and Jim has written an article titled, The Worst Drivers, Where to Find the Worst Drivers in America. This is a statistical thing. He's not just making it up. He's actually got facts to back it up. Where are the worst drivers in America? We find out next here on The Driving Show. Don't go anywhere. We are back at it on a Saturday morning here on The Driving Show. My name is John Hammer. I'm so glad you guys are with us. Thanks for being here. And uh, we got a lot coming up on the show still. Uh, We've got uh, got to do the Song of the Week coming up in a few minutes. We've got Tom O'Gorman from the Pirelli World Challenge Series. He's going to join us live from Indianapolis Motor Speedway, where he is there for the Sports Car Club of America's National Championship runoffs. That is very cool. But right now, it is time for us to find out exactly where... The worst 
drivers in America are. Honest to goodness, for real, Jim Gorzellini is the author of the article in Forbes magazine. Uh, Jim is uh, on the phone with us. Jim, have you had your coffee this morning? Uh, Yes, I had my coffee. Thank you very much. (laughs) I I ran across your article, Jim, and I just I, I had to reach out because this is one of those things that just grates at the heart and soul of anybody who drives on the street. Bad drivers. Yeah, you know, uh, we all think we live in a city that has the worst drivers in the world. I mean, I, I always have to laugh. I look at my uh, local Facebook postings, and the day doesn't go by and somebody hasn't posted a complaint about some idiot driver, some bonehead or whatever. Um, Lord knows we encounter enough of them in our uh, daily business out there, but some cities fare worse than others. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to reach out to you because so you've got this article uh, and uh, and now so you've you're writing for Forbes, but you've written for other folks as well, correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm a contributing editor to uh, Consumers Digest magazine. I write for MotorOne.com, and I've got a syndicated feature uh, going in several newspapers. So I'm I'm pretty much all over the but this one that was titled where to find america's worst drivers just was like a light bulb going off I'm like we got to get jim on the radio we got to talk about this uh i am from detroit originally and we can argue that while the motor city is the motor city it's got some terrible drivers but these days i live down in charlotte north carolina and just like you said no matter where we all live we all think that we're surrounded by a bunch of idiots that are driving on the road and honestly unfortunately the, the truth is we, we probably are uh, so yeah. so tell me about the, the, the probably part of them as well. yeah well let's not talk about that so tell me about like i mean even getting started on on this article you know what brought you to even start writing this one well you know every year all state insurance uh, does an analysis of uh major or 200 of the America's uh, top cities and they go into their uh, accident records and whatnot and find out, you know, in which cities are the drivers more accident prone than others. And um, that's very nice. You know, uh, everybody wants to know where the safest drivers are, yada, yada, yada. But I wanted to know, wait, where are the worst drivers at? <laughs> you know, where, 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 where are you going to live when you can be almost expected to get into an accident, and as it turned out, if you work the list from the bottom up, as I did, you find out, and if you've been there, it's no surprise, is Boston, Massachusetts, where the average motorist goes about three and a half years between accidents. Now, that sounds like a, a pretty, you know, a long period of time, but in fact, the uh, city that boasts the safest drivers, being Kansas City, Kansas, they go nearly 15 years without getting into a crash. Wow, how about that? Well, that's interesting. I've got friends in both of those cities, and I think they all suck at driving. But um, <laughs> So Kansas, I mean, you could make jokes about how, you know, Kansas in the middle of nowhere, but Kansas is a big, that's a big city. That's a, that's a lot of population there. Is there any thought as to why Boston is so prone to getting into incidents? Well, I mean, for one, you know, population density increases your risk of anything bad with a car, whether it's uh, break-ins, accidents, whatever. Sure. Um, but, you know, Boston, if you've ever driven there, it's just one traffic jam after another, especially if you're trying to get in and out of uh, the, the central city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same thing with other places on the list like Baltimore 
Washington, D.C., of course. Mm -hmm. um, I expected, frankly, to see more California cities in here, uh, as it is Glendale, California, was the only one that made the top ten of the rogues gallery list with uh, people there going five and a half years between accidents. But, you know, oh, in Los Angeles, California is there, of course, with about six years between accidents. But, you know, mostly it comes down to the kind of driving people have to do. You know, is it uh, freeway driving? Is it city driving? Uh, Do you live in a city with a thoughtfully designed uh, freeway system, or does it seem to be randomly put together? Um, You know, and and I'm thinking to a certain degree, uh, some of this has to be attitude as well. I would, I'm you know, glad you brought that uh, up. I'm glad because I noticed that a large number of the, of some of the of these towns are northeast, and northeast in general in the United States of America has face it. I mean, there's attitude up there. There's a lot of attitude up there, and you know there seems to be a fair amount of road raging going on up there. Oh, absolutely. And you're also talking about a roadway system that was essentially designed in the colonial era (laughs) uh, versus uh, the great expanse of the United States that is based upon a grid system where uh, streets tend to make sense, you know, and getting from one point to another is in part predictable versus, you know, some of the the colonial states where you're basically talking about meandering cattle paths at one time. You know, they, they have few accidents, you know, and they're kind of mellow, like Madison, Wisconsin. I mean, I can't think of a more mellow town in the United States than the college town of, of Madison, Wisconsin, or wide open spaces like Laredo, Texas. I mean, my goodness, you get on a highway in, in Texas and you're you're headed in a straight line for a very, very long time versus, you know, up here in the Chicago area where... Uh, Maybe only at three in the morning, clear of traffic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember the very first time that I went up to the metropolitan New York area, and there was there were some cars that that had this big rubber, basically a blanket, draped over the back end of their cars. And I and I it took me a while before I realized what in the world that was for. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen one of these things? Sure. They, <laughs> they. I, clearly, you've not. That's okay. They are these big rubber. Basically, it's like a rubber blanket, a bumper a cover that you you jam into your trunk, and it hangs down over your bumper because they know they're going to bump bumpers with each other in traffic. It's there to protect your car. Oh. To this day, I've never seen that anywhere other than the New York, New Jersey metro area. It's. That's rough, rough driving out there, man. Rough driving. Yeah, you know, road rage is, is a problem. I think it's only going to be a growing problem in the U.S. And maybe this is where the future generation of self-driving cars will, uh, you know, save us, having less road rage on the road. But who knows? And maybe uh, I, I had seen another survey where, you know, <laughs> nearly half of all drivers have reported being given the finger by another driver. <laughs> you know? Um, yep. <laughs> 20% said they've been physically threatened by other drivers. I mean, you know, it's a jungle out there. And, again, you get in the, you know, big cities, um, people are tuned a little differently. Strings are wound a little tighter. and uh, You know. I almost I, wonder uh, if. Um... It's a uniquely American culture. That, you know, car culture is so prevalent in this country that, you know, it, it's our 
it's more than transportation for people. I mean, it's uh, and why people are worried about getting in accidents. You know, it's uh, it's our baby. I mean, I people name their cars, people decorate their cars. Uh, you know, I remember one time doing an article about uh, how you can practice the best feng shui for your car. Um, <laughs> And I'm sure a lot of people do that. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. No doubt about it. I I mean, cars are, they're important to us. We do find a sense of, a sense of power behind there. Uh, It's almost to a a point kind of like, uh, you know, being in your car and being able to be aggressive in traffic in your car is kind of like being able to run your mouth on the internet. You're a bit anonymous and you can kind of be that person that maybe you aren't in real life, but you can be there when you, you hide behind the steering wheel. You know, I drive a lot of cars. Um, I, I drive a different car at least every, every week. And I'll tell you, you know, it depends on what you're driving. It really does change you. Um, you get into one of the, a, a big SUV, get in a, a Chevy Tahoe, and you feel like a completely different person than if you're driving a Toyota Camry. Uh, just like if you get behind the wheel of a uh, aggressive sports car, you tend to take more risks because – the back of your mind you know the car will be able to handle them then say if you're driving a, a toyota corolla you know maybe it's not a good idea to try to jump out into traffic with only 150 horsepower under the hood. for sure for sure so jim uh, this begs the question then when was the last time you got into a wreck boy that's a good question i can almost barely remember that i think it's been it's been close to 20 years yeah yeah. And uh, part of that is to do, well, okay, there was one time I, I took off somebody's side view mirror. Uh, but, you know, I'm a, I've grown to be in my uh, later years a very careful driver. And I think I think part of it was when uh, our, our first son came into the world. It was suddenly driving with a baby in the back seat. Uh, really changed my whole driving style. But oh, yeah. I, I do get texty every once in a while like everyone else and pretty much you know this business with uh being living in a accident prone area and that really begs the need for forward collision uh auto braking systems that are becoming prevalent in cars because the toyota corolla is the cheapest car in america right now that comes standard with forward auto braking and that's said to reduce you know fender benders yeah and other kinds of collisions tremendously because the car senses you're closing in perhaps a little too suddenly on the car or some other obstruction. And some vehicles will look for pedestrians and bicyclists. And if you're not reacting, gives you a little warning and then bam, hits the brakes for you. And I've, I've had that happen. And it's, you know, it, it will, if not save your life, it'll save your car from getting in a wreck. Yeah. You know, if you're going, 80 miles an hour and you're not paying attention, you know, Lord help you no matter what happens. Mm. But, you know, I would advise everyone out there next time you're looking for a car, look for a car with that forward automatic auto braking system because, you know, of all the the new little all semi-autonomous features that are being available in cars, to me that's the most critical. I mean, that's one that's going to really probably save your life at some point.
It's great stuff. We've been talking about where to find America's worst drivers. Jim wrote the article in uh, Forbes magazine, uh, and, and it's been great. So the 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 best places are the places with the least amount of uh, least amount of accidents. We're talking Kansas City, Brownsville, Texas, Madison, Wisconsin. But the worst the worst drivers in the United States at the top of the list. Uh, we're looking at uh, Worcester, Mass, Baltimore, Maryland, and up at the top, Boston, Massachusetts. Jim, it's been uh, it's been great chatting with you, man. Clearly, you're a car guy, and we appreciate that. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot. It's my pleasure. Okay, it's time for us to jump in here for a quick break. On the other side, we're going to come on back with what's going down over at Phoenix Raceway. Phoenix Internet, what, what used to be Phoenix International Raceway, PIR, is now Phoenix Raceway. And, and now there's more to that story. Stand by. That is coming up next. I'm John Hammer, and this is The Driving Show. Saturday morning, end end of the month already. September has just flown on by, which means that next month is SEMA out in Las Vegas. Welcome to the Driving Show. I'm John Hammer, uh, and I can, can I make the official announcement? Oh, let's just say I'm going to be at SEMA, and you're going to benefit from it. I don't want to give up all the secrets right now. I'm still working out some of the final details, but I am going to be at SEMA, and uh, let's just say it looks like we'll be doing the driving show from there. So that's a pretty exciting thing to be able to take the show uh, out on the road and do uh, do cool stuff like that. I, yeah, anytime I get to go to Vegas, anytime I get to go to SEMA, that's always a good thing. But yeah, to be able to to be able to do the show from there. That's uh, that's that's killer, and that's kind of what we're all working for to make this thing uh, all come together. Hey, coming up in a few minutes, we've got um, we've got the uh, the song of the week. It's a tongue and cheek song. It's definitely a fun one. You'll enjoy that one. Uh, and then our buddy Tom uh, Tom O'Gorman from the Pirelli World Challenge series. He races uh, for Honda in that series. He is going to be with us because he is live at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend. He is there for the Sports Car Club of America runoffs, the national championships for amateur racers are going on there. So we're going to check in with him coming up in a few minutes as well. So still lots going on. But a uh, big story here coming out of Phoenix just a couple of days ago. Phoenix Raceway, which used to be Phoenix International Raceway, PIR, like the, the diehard folks are like, it's always going to be PIR for me, man. Uh, they have found themselves some corporate Monday. We've got ourselves a sponsor! Starting January 1st, the racetrack will be renamed ISM Raceway. ISM is a technology company that has, uh, they're big in uh, cellular and interactive stuff. And here are some of the folks from the press release. Uh, They did a Facebook Live, including uh, NASCAR uh, TV guy and former driver, Michael Waltrip. Um, What I love most about this partnership with ISM is this is, this is, one of my favorite racetracks, and it just got a lot better. Not only because of the um, the, the reconstruction process that's going on for the fans uh, with the with the infield sports bar and and all the amenities that'll be added: escalators, elevators, more restrooms. So it'll be a greater experience for the fans physically, but then technologically, being able to get on their phones and and text their buddies pictures of them at the racetrack. There's so many great NASCAR fans, and I want them to come once and then be there for the next ten. 20 years and I think that you're offering the technology 
capacity and, and the availability for these fans to see more and do more than they've ever done before. And what I love about that is this place, this part of the country, is such a destination in the spring and the fall. The winters, the, the weather is perfect. And so we're going to have a lot of excited race fans coming out to ISM Raceway, and you guys are going to anchor that for them. And I don't know about you, but my car is not particularly messy. I, I'm pretty anal about keeping my car clean, but I know that it, it, life gets in the way, right? And so many of my mom is absolutely, I love her to death, but my mom lives out of her car. Uh, she works out of her car. Even at 70 years old, my mom still works part-time, and, and she still lives out of her car, and she shouldn't, and she makes a big giant mess in there, and it drives me crazy. Uh, but, but there is a mom who, uh, she's a blogger and a mom uh, out of Florida. She's got three kids, seven, five, and three-year-olds. <laughs> that, was a, that was a busy four years making three babies, right? Uh, Nikki Pennington is, the, uh, is the, the writer here, and she decided the other day to make a post on her Facebook page showing a picture of the inside of her car and of course it's it's a disaster I mean, there's towels there's water bottles there's papers there's advertisements from the you know those value pack things that you get in the in the, the your newspaper or your, i mean in your well yeah in the newspaper and your your mailbox all that stuff it's all in there and everything is just a disaster and she says quote i'd like to give a shout out to all of my fellow hot mess School moms, the ones that let their child off uh, at the drop-off line and yesterday morning's breakfast wrapper rolls out with them. The moms that haven't been able to find the floorboard of their vehicle since August 1st of last year to the moms that live inside of their cars four times a day, five days a week and don't have time to clean up that mess. They just move it on over to the moms that pull up to the drop-off line with a minute to spare and hear everything in their vehicle shift as they slam on the brakes because breakfast, snacks, school projects, and emergency toys while waiting in the pickup line pile up fast, y'all. Her words, not mine. To the moms that really aren't sure where some of the stuff even came from. That's funny stuff. That's good. Hey, I understand. Sometimes life gets in the way and it does become quite the mess. Uh, if you are in that world, don't worry. You're surrounded by a whole lot of people. She's got four over, well over 4,000 likes on it and almost 1,000 comments and a couple of thousand shares on that one. So uh, a lot of people feel like they're in the exact same boat as she is. Some of us just have messy cars. It is what it is. All right, you guys, time for us to take a quick break. Uh, on the backside of this one, we have got to uh, bust out the driving show's song of the week. It has something to do with trucks, and it's poking some fun at folks who are poking fun at life and making bad cliches and such. So we're going to get to that coming up next. This is The Driving Show, and I'm John Hammer. Stay right where you are. Saturday morning, this is The Driving Show. I welcome you to the show. If you're just tuning in for the first time, this is where we talk about cars and car things and sometimes racing and motorsports. And basically, it has something to do with cars and makes us go, hey, that's kind of cool. That's worth talking about <laughs> here on the show. And uh, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk with our buddy Tom uh, over at the uh, the SCCA runoffs. But right now, it is time for our driving show's song of the week. Every week, if, again, if you're new to the show, every week we play a song that has something to do with, with cars, with driving, with motorsports. Uh, maybe it just sounds good coming through your speakers. It, you know, if it's an interesting song, good enough for us. Any genre, anything is wide open, all right? So there's no no... There's no rules on that. It's just, hey, does it make us go, ah, cool. So and one of the funny stereotypes that's gone on here in the last, you know, probably three or four years uh, in the world of country music is what, what the haters are calling bro country. Hey, bro, 
What's up? You know, broke you, that stuff. The Jason Aldeans of the world, the um, uh, the Luke Bryan's of the world, all those bubblegum cookie cutter uh, pop country, bro country stuff, right? And if you'll notice, if you pay attention to that kind of stuff, so many of those songs have cheeseball references to trucks. Man, my truck, my truck, truck this, truck that, truck that. All right. Sometimes it's mentioning a Ford. Sometimes it's mentioning a Chevy. Sometimes it mentions sometimes it mentions a Dodge and all of them together. I don't know. This song is from a guy named Wade Bowen. He's poking fun at those guys who write those songs. This one is called Songs About Trucks. Yeah, listen to the words. It's funny stuff. He's got a good dig on these guys. It's the song of the week here on The Driving Show. Whatever happened to a feeling bad song? Lost the best damn woman that you ever had song. It's all four-wheel drive, jacked up tires, rolling out of them speakers. But for a trip down memory lane tonight I need something a little deeper Than this 10 Chevys or F-150s Flatbed Dodge Ram Dirt Road Diddies Headlights, taillights, daddy's Eldorado Dashboards, ditches, or silver Silverados Down by the lake Trucks. 
Wade Bowen's had enough of those things. Enough of that bro country stuff. He just wants some good old-fashioned country songs. That is our song of the week here on The Driving Show. We've got to take ourselves a quick break. On the backside of this one, we're joined live on the phone uh, from Indianapolis Motor Speedway, where our buddy Tom O'Gorman from the Pirelli World Challenge Series is actually hanging out there at the SCCA National Championship runoffs. These are the national championships for amateur race car drivers. And we hear from Tom next, right here on The Driving Show. Stay there. We'll be right back. Well, it's a good Saturday morning here on The Driving Show. Welcome back to it. I'm glad you guys are with us. It's hard to believe we're already in the final segment of the show. Again, this show just flies by. It really, really does. My name is John Hammer. Great to be with you guys. And uh, coming up in a uh, in a couple of minutes, actually, we're going to talk to we're gonna talk to our, our buddy Tom O'Gorman from the uh, Pirelli World Challenge Series. Hang tight on that one. He's actually in Indianapolis right now. We're going to get to that. i got to give you a heads up. Coming up on next week's show, uh, my buddy... Kelly Childress was at the Frankfurt Auto Show in Germany last week and he is going to be on with us on next week's show and he's going to definitely get us uh, drooling and ready to go for uh, you know some, some of the vehicles that, that they're showing off there that we can't get here in the States and uh, and he's, he's lucky that he gets to uh, actually live overseas and see some of that stuff and it's pretty cool also not sure if you saw this or not but Ricky Bobby's house Ricky Ricky Bobby's mansion from Talladega Nights is up for sale in the Charlotte Metro and uh, we're going to talk about it next week. We're going to I'm trying my best to get a, a to get the the real estate agent on cuz I want to talk about that. I want to I want to know whether or not there's actually more money uh, do you get more money because it was in the movie? I don't know. Let's find out about that uh, next week. That's coming up next week on the show. Uh, right now, standing by on the telephone all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana, and the SCCA runoffs, it's our buddy Tom O'Gorman. Hello, sir. How are you? How are you doing? I'm great. Good, dude. Good. All right. So, uh, first, I guess first question, there's a huge heat, uh, heat wave that's been blowing through the Midwest this week. Is it that hot in Indianapolis? You know, it was as of yesterday, but today I'm so I'm sitting on the eighth floor of the pagoda at the speedway right now. Oh, uh, it's dog. a little bit breezy, and in like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just let's just stop on that for a second. Right eighth floor of the pagoda. All right, cool. Listen, I got you on the phone because I want to talk about the runoffs, and and I've been there as a media person. I've covered the runoffs many many years over, you know, many times over the last you know 20 years or so. Uh, but you're actually there this year. I was not able to make it this year. This is this is a really big deal this year because. Because it's the very first time it's ever been held at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Tell us about it. What's going on? What's the general vibe? And, and why is this such an important event? Well, I'll tell you, it's it's pretty incredible. This is actually the largest uh, SCCA runoff in history uh, for the Sports Car Club of America. It's a national championships for the amateur club racing uh, division of, uh, of SCCA racing. Uh, and as you said, the first time at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, but when you have the opportunity as a, as a non-professional, non-indie car driver to race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, that doesn't really present itself more than maybe once, uh, if ever. Right. Uh, so because of that, it's really it's it's become the largest event. There's over a thousand entries wow. uh, across 28 different classes of club racing. Uh, you know, amateur, but 
the top level of amateur road racing in the United States. Uh, and we were talking about it earlier. They had an FIA meeting apparently last week, uh, and all anybody could talk about was how SECA has filled Indianapolis Motor Speedway with a thousand entries wow. uh, for road racing. It's it's pretty incredible. It's really neat. And over the years, I mean, they've bounced around to some of you know the the really legendary racetracks. I mean, they held this at uh, the runoffs have been at at Road Atlanta. They've been at Mid Ohio, uh, and those are some amazing racetracks. But there's something special about being at Indianapolis. Describe that for us. Well, I think it really comes down to this this club racing generation. Uh, it it kind of spans, you know, the the guys really uh, held Indy as the pinnacle of racing uh, growing up. Uh, there was a period where the only racing you could really get access to outside of print magazines and, and kind of lore uh, was the broadcast of the Indianapolis 500 in North America. And, and this is really a generation of, of drivers uh, ranging from they're they're in their 70s, 60s, 50s, even down into their 30s and 20s, who who hold Indianapolis as that pinnacle of racing, no matter what it is. There's a handful of drivers who are telling the story that they're kind of driving through the tears on their first couple of laps. They're kind of blinking back those tears so they can see, uh, because they're crossing the bricks for the first time. They're they're seeing the racetrack. Uh, there's 28 people who are going to be able to call themselves national champions from Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, and that's it. Just just doesn't happen very often, I, or ever before, really. I completely understand. I, I know that it was uh, two. Good lord, was it really three years ago now that I had the opportunity to race at Daytona? And it was yeah. the same thing. That very first time that I rolled off of pit lane at Daytona International Speedway, dude, I had to catch my breath. I, I was just, it's wow, I may never race there again. And I haven't since, but I did it. I did it once. I didn't embarrass myself, and it was amazing to be part of that history. <laughs> so so Indy is just that much, you know, again, it's it's just that kind of a, it's, it's just that much more, I think, to, uh, to amateur racers. That's just fantastic. Um if our listeners are only following pro racing, maybe they're just going, what's the big deal? These are just amateurs. But you kind of hinted at it a moment ago that, yeah, they're amateurs, but these are top-level guys. Talk to me about the competition, Tom. Well, uh, like I said, there's 28 different classes, and there's different specs for the cars that race in each different category. But uh, in some cases, there are guys, there are guys that have won uh, 12, 13, 23 different uh, national championships across the years. So these are guys who have really kind of dedicated their lives. Uh, and if you're if you're a car guy, whether or not you do motorsports yourself, um, you know it's an addiction. So these are guys who really uh, they feed their addiction through motorsports, and and they're people who have dedicated their lives to either to driving or to working on cars uh, and becoming the best in, in motorsports. And, and if you can't achieve that pro level, you don't have the funding, you don't have whatever else it takes. Uh, if you are the driver, you're the crew, uh, it doesn't matter. You, you're at, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to perform to your best to win a championship. Uh, and regardless of, of who's covering it on TV or who's writing articles about it, um, you're you're pushing to that top level of the you know the the group you're competing in. So I, I think that's really what it boils down to is no matter what you're you're trying to get to the top of your group. It's Tom O'Gorman, everybody. He is live at Indianapolis Motor Speedway talking about the SCCA runoffs. Uh, you see him doing a track night in America with SCCA. You see him in the Pirelli World Challenge Series. What's your next race? We're racing at Laguna Seca, October 13th through 15th. Uh, I'm racing the brand-new Honda Civic Si with Honda Performance Development. Uh, you can watch that at world-challenge.com live on those days. 
And you can follow me at Tomo Racing uh, on all the social media platforms. Guys, I want to thank our buddy Jim Gorzolani from Forbes Magazine for being on with us earlier today, giving us the story about where we can find the worst drivers in America. Tom, where do you think? What city? Major city. <laughs> uh, anywhere in Michigan. Uh, no. Oh, come on. It was actually Boston. Boston, Massachusetts, officially the worst <laughs> drivers in the United States of America. You guys, you can always catch us in between shows online. TheDrivingShow.com will take you over to our Facebook page and on Instagram at The Driving Show and anywhere. Hashtag The Driving Show. We'll see you next week. Tom, thanks so much for the help uh, on this thing. And uh, we'll talk to you soon again, I'm, I'm sure. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you later. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next Saturday.